Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals. This is Modestly Metaphysical, a podcast where I talk about trending topics in the spiritual community and give tips on where to get started in your journey. I'm Kara, and I will be your host. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about lucid dreaming. This is a two-part series where one episode is going to be lucid dreaming and the other is astral projection. They kind of go hand in hand together, so I figured I would cover both. But as I was taking my notes on the podcast, I realized that there's a lot more to cover than I expected. So I'm going to be splitting it into two parts. This is part number one about just lucid dreaming. But these are both topics that have always been really interesting to me, and I personally don't have experience with either, but I do have a lot of resources that are super helpful, and I've never actually like applied myself to trying either lucid dreaming or astral projection. Um, I smoke too much to remember my dreams, but I know that I've, I've been slowing down on smoking, so I feel like this is going to be in my agenda here shortly. But um, I know that a lot of people are interested in these topics or just want to know more about what they are, because it is just very interesting to learn about. And these tips and just information is going to help you know how to do it yourself or just give you more information about it in general. So what else do I want to say? I didn't ask any questions on Instagram this time if anyone had any, just because I honestly just forgot to, or I kind of came up with a topic later than I usually do. So I'm going to, just to give a brief overview, I'm going to talk about sleep paralysis, which is something that I feel like a lot of people do have. Then I'm going to talk about lucid dreaming. In the next episode, I will be talking about astral projection. I have had a sleep paralysis experience before, so I'll talk about that and exactly what happened and what I felt, and I know there's a theory on what, like, sleep paralysis is, so I will just share all of that with you in this episode and um, give you a little short guide on how to lucid dream yourself. So, without further ado, welcome to episode 11. Okay, so starting with sleep paralysis, it's, if you've never experienced before, it is actually terrifying. Um, I would describe it as like a very brief lucid dream because most of the time it takes place in the um, room that you're in. I'm not sure if there's other accounts of it being um, in like a different place or a place that isn't quite your room. But for me personally, it was like in my room. So it's basically when you wake up whether at some point and you're fully aware of your surroundings, but you can't move. It's literally like you're paralyzed and it's estimated that anywhere between 1.7 to 40% of people experience sleep paralysis but not everyone gets like the um, demon experience if you've heard about sleep paralysis demons. And I found, and I'll quote this um, 
I believe it was a doctor that had said this, but it says that this comes from when there is a malfunction between REM sleep and wakefulness. And there's a lot of different things passing through your mind during REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement, if you guys um, aren't familiar with the sleep cycles. But some of these you remember as dreams. Some of the things going on in your mind during REM sleep you remember as dreams. And one of the ways our body protects us during this period of REM sleep is to paralyze us so that we don't act out those things while we're sleeping. So for those who experience sleep paralysis, the problem comes when there's a disruption in that transition between REM sleep and waking. And you're consciously waking up, but that protective paralysis from REM sleep hasn't fully subsided yet. So sleep, then you're just like in this state where you're aware of everything. You're pretty much awake, but you can't move. So this is like a disruption in your sleep cycle. And this may be from your sleep cycle being interrupted in a way that you experience a vivid dreamlike hallucination in your room or your dream state brain interprets something real as something altogether different. So for instance, you might see like your dog sleeping on the floor and then it turns into like some ghost goblin or something. And I know that there's two types of hallucinations you can get when you experience them while waking up. It's called hypnopompic hallucinations and while you're falling asleep, they're called hypnagogic, hypnagogic, however, hallucinations. So I have experienced sleep paralysis once. And I think honestly, this is the reason why I'm so deterred to do like lucid dreaming or astral projection, because that's what I was trying to do when I experienced this. Um, It's pretty much like, you want to try to keep your brain awake when you want to um, astral project pretty much. So you let your body fall asleep. And I think that's kind of what happened to me where I was, I remember that before I actually did end up falling asleep, but I remember that before I had fallen asleep, I was trying to like relax my body so that I would, um, have the chance of possibly doing like the rope method for astral projection, which I'll talk about in the next episode. But when I ended up waking up, it was like, you know, two, three in the morning, whatever. And I had looked out my window and mind you, this is when I thought I was awake, like, like completely awake. It was literally like, it was so weird. So I looked out my window and I saw like a cat and this was in my parents' house. So I was like on the second story and my window just led to the roof. So I was like, what the fuck? And so I sat up and as I sat up this, it was a black cat. This black cat morphs into like this faceless demon. I would, I would equate it to like the Dementors from Harry Potter (laughs) And it comes through my window. And this is like a very brief little interaction with sleep paralysis. But it comes through my window, you know, in my paralysis state. But the weirdest thing is to me, now that I'm just talking about this, is that I sat up in my um, little experience. But when I woke up, I was still laying down. So I don't know if I had, if it was a hallucination or what was going on there. So maybe it wasn't exactly sleep paralysis, but this is as close as I could get. Cause I wouldn't say it was lucid dreaming either. Cause I didn't know that I was dreaming. I thought it was literally real. So 
I sat up and it starts to come through my window. And so I like, of course, react and, you know, flinch away like I was falling off the bed. And that feeling of me falling off the bed is what woke me up. But when I woke up, I was literally laying like face down in my pillow and I hadn't moved, but I was so sweaty and I was actually like terrified. Like I cried because it felt so real and I was so scared. And I had heard about sleep paralysis leading up to this, but I hadn't ever experienced it. And I just remember being so terrified because of how real it felt. And it was just like literally the most surreal feeling. But obviously I woke up and I wasn't even, I hadn't moved at all. Um, But that's pretty much what sleep paralysis, like the experience of it is, is that you are in the sleep state. And most of the time what happens is people open their eyes and they're still in their room, but they can't move. They can't talk. And they see like what people call like sleep demons, sleep paralysis demons. And they're usually described in the same way of just like black kind of faceless dementor like you know, everyone obviously has a different experience, but for me, it had like yellow beady eyes and it was hooded. So I couldn't see the face and it was like cloaked. So I couldn't see exactly what it looked like, but I just remember being absolutely terrified. And so there's this theory that sleep paralysis and sleep paralysis demons are like the gatekeepers of the astral realm of where you kind of have to like be okay with seeing that and not afraid for you to be accepted pretty much to be able to go through the gate of the astral world and so failed that assignment (laughs) but now that I I found that out like a couple years after my experience and it it makes a lot of sense to me just because I know there's a lot of things in the astral realm that seem very real but are not and you can't be afraid in those situations So that was very interesting to me. And that was my experience with sleep paralysis. And I wanted to include sleep paralysis in this little series, just because I know that um, a lot of people who either accidentally lucid dream, or, you know, just lucid dream often, also have had quite a few experiences with sleep paralysis. So I just wanted to include that because if one of you out there struggles with sleep paralysis, it might be a good leeway for you to start to get like a handle on that and be able to um, like kind of use it as a gateway into either lucid dreaming or astral projection. So I just thought it was really interesting and I wanted to include it. And I sleep paralysis is something I hope I never experience again. But if I want to start doing um, dream work, I know that there is... um, that comes with it from time to time. So I am going to now kind of lead you into lucid dreaming and exactly what it is and how to almost like a step-by-step guide of um, if you want to start practicing it and how you can start to strengthen your ability to do so. And then I'm also, I, when I was making my notes, I went off on like this little um, tangent about how your perception of reality is going to affect your uh, ability to be able to lucid dream or astral project. So that'll be at the end, but I'll make sure I gateway into that in a clean, orderly fashion. But just so you guys know what's ahead, I'm going to now talk to you guys about lucid dreaming. So 
Lucid dreaming is the act of being conscious during a dream state. You know you're dreaming and you can control aspects of the dream. So it's extremely vivid and it does feel real, but I'm certain that there is a sense of you knowing that it's a dream at that point. I I don't think everyone realizes it um, if they do it accidentally, but if you're purposely doing it, you will very much know. And there's methods that you can, um, methods that you can use to make sure that you do know that you're in a dream. Think of Inception, for example, Uh, very much lucid dream experience that he's having where he has like his little um, trinket or whatever to see if he's dreaming or not so it is being asleep yet mentally awake and fully aware which sounds like a paradox but it's totally possible in fact it's a skill that anyone can learn pretty much and i found a quote on why lucid dreaming is so transformative and it's from mark van de Keer, and he said quote When you are in a lucid dream state, you have a direct channel to your subconscious mind, which is infinitely wiser than our narrow-minded conscious mind. The lucid state is a perfect chance to find solutions to any problems or issues that may be affecting you. Instead of relentlessly searching for some external source to help you with your problems, you can use lucid dreaming as a way to find these solutions from within you. You can depend more on yourself when it comes to matters that affect your life, your happiness, and your overall state of well-being. The benefits of lucid dreaming can allow us to maximize our limited time here on the planet, and they lead us to understand what is truly important in life experience, end quote. His book is actually what I'm going to be using as a reference for the guide um, for like the steps of getting into lucid dreaming. He really focuses on being objective and keeps specific like religious practices out of it but he said that knowing your religious practice and how it affects you is very important in lucid dreaming because some of your signs and symbols or like sleep guides you know like dream guides can come through as figures from obviously what you resonate with and believe in so always keep that in mind um but he tries to put it in a manner that is more of like a uh, a guide rather than you know, in a religious or spiritual experience, just seeing it as like a scientific quest almost. So with that being said, there's so many things that you can do while lucid dreaming. You can literally, anything that you can imagine, you can do. Anything that you can do in real life or would have the ability to do, you can do. So it's literally, you're only limited to your imagination. So there um there's basically two different ways of becoming lucid you can either have a dream induced or wake induced lucid dream and Stephen leberg coined the the term dild dild dream induced lucid dream for dreams in which you become lucid while within the dream Um, by training your awareness you will somehow realize that you're dreaming when you're dreaming and a lot of times people use like the the timer method of like they'll wear a bracelet or something and every time the timer goes off they'll look at their wrist and say like I am not dreaming and then when they get to like the um the dream they're in the habit of like looking down at their wrist and asking themselves if they're dreaming and they become lucid during the dream that's one method that I've heard of 
And this, that is also like the most common way to enter a lucid dream, but it's also possible to directly enter a lucid dream from a waking state. And this is called wild or wake induced wild or lucid dreams, wild dreams. (laughs) And they're a lot more rare, but LeBerg labeled them as quite the experience. So that is kind of like the two methods that you can use. I think obviously the dream induced one is a lot easier, but there are six basic steps into um, entering a lucid dream. So one, obviously I'm going to start with the steps. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I'm excited. But step number one is doing the mental prep work. And there are four key questions that you need to ask yourself. One, do you think you can do this? Two, do you think dreams are important? Three, do you really want to have lucid dreams? And four, do you know what you will do when you become lucid? Not only should you be asking yourself these questions, but you should also be taking an active part in strengthening these beliefs or changing them if you need to. And the reason why each of these are important is because if you don't think you can do it, you're not going to be able to do it. It's just like, you know, a self-limiting belief where if you don't actually think that you're going to be able to do it, you're not. You have to fully believe that you're capable and fully believe that you're able to have this experience in order for it to happen to you. And then if you don't think dreams are important, it's not going to present itself in the way that you want it to, because dreams do tell us a lot about our waking state and can expose a lot of things to us. And what we want to do in this dream state, like our intention for that is very important as well, because it it tells us a lot about like maybe what we're missing in our waking life. And if there's anything that's a potential danger to us, we should also address those before we take part in them and know exactly why we want to do the things we want to do. And obviously three, if you don't really want to have a lucid dream, you're not actually going to, like if you're just doing it because you feel like you have to, or whatever the case, it's the same thing as kind of number one. If you really don't want to, you're really not going to. It's similar to like being hypnotized where you can only be hypnotized if you allow it to happen. It's the same, same kind of thing. And then I think the last one is just honestly about having a plan. If you get lucid and then you don't know what the fuck to do, then it's not going to go anywhere or it's not going to be quite the experience that you want. So almost having like a plan of what you want to do when you get there. And that's like the first step. Second step, increasing your dream recall. So obviously this means remembering the dreams after you have them. And this starts to um, help you be more aware of your dreams and just almost become more lucid without actually having the realization that you're lucid. So just being able to recall more and more. And um, so as I, I know that I personally, as I mentioned early, earlier, don't really remember my dreams and sometimes I will, but in that case, it would be harder for me to have a lucid one. So I would have to really focus on this step because I would have to spend probably a couple months on increasing my dream recall. And if you're someone who's fortunate and remembers a lot of your dreams and a lot of details about your dreams, you will have an easier time with this. And this, um, 
there's many effective tips for increasing dream recall and I'll share some of those. And if you do this for a few weeks, it's going to be very, um, it's going to, it's going to be very fruitful. So some of the tips that I came across was you have to really want to remember your dream and you don't want to subconsciously block your own recall because you might be afraid of what you see. So make sure you're asking yourself questions like that as if, if there's anything that you have to address, maybe there's some shadow work you have to do and just be honest with yourself. You have to make the commitment to yourself to increase your dream recall, regardless of what comes up and just see it, be that passive observer. Like I talked about in um, the episode about attachment, just see it as information and data rather than something to like really be emotional or caught up on. And just take it as something that you want to develop, make it a practice, and you have to make it a conscious priority as well. And then there's techniques, obviously, building on top of that after you clear out any skeletons in your closet that need be so you can remember your dreams. And so the first, there's a list of tips. So I'll just start and I'll number them one through, I think there's eight of them. So one, you want to wake motionlessly. So don't open your eyes when you wake up. Don't move. Just lay completely still and stay in the exact position that you were in when you woke up and um, attempt to remember your dreams without moving. I think that when you, so number two is wake slowly. So when you allow yourself time to naturally remember your dreams and don't start thinking about what you have to do for the day, don't start thinking about checking your phone or the time or how sore you are. Don't allow your mind to be flooded with your waking thoughts or your dreams, um, or your dreams will start fading and you may not remember anything. (laughs) It might just start, you know, disappearing. And I feel like it, it definitely disappears exponentially once you start waking up. I noticed that about my own dreams. So take the time to one, be motionless and two, wake slowly to let your mind be focused on whatever you were just dreaming. And obviously, again, this takes conscious effort and just setting that attention before you go to bed can be very helpful into doing these two things because I know it's very habitual to wake up and just throw yourself out of bed or reach for your phone. So it takes a lot of conscious effort on these two steps. And step number three is allow your mind to drift. So allow your thoughts to kind of wander through whatever mental imagery you may have. And if you remember one part of a dream, relax and allow the rest of the pieces to fall into place. Kind of the episode I did on dream work and doing dream recall of when you kind of let your mind finish the story, even if it's not the exact thing that happened in the dream, your mind and your subconscious is actually probably going to fill in something similar or something just as important. So letting yourself imagine and fill in the spaces that need be filled in. And then four, drift through your dream checklist. So if you have no initial recall, then start running through a dream checklist in your mind. Um, So things like if there was any people you know, activities, places, food, smell, music, anything that might trigger a dream fragment to surface. And emotions are also very prevalent. So try to think about your mood upon waking because it could have to do with the dream that you had. And one that I find super helpful is think and question backwards. So try to work your memory backwards from what you can remember 
you will usually remember the most recent dream scenario first. So for maximum retrieval, it's helpful for you to think backwards or remember in terms of effect and cause instead of cause and effect. If you can remember one part of the dream, ask yourself how you got there there, or where did a certain dream object come from or a certain person come from or how, like just how you got to certain places and start thinking backwards. That one's super helpful for me. Six, try different sleeping positions um, after waking up and remaining motionless for long enough to remember that um, you remember anything that you can from your dreams. Try all of your common sleeping positions before getting out of bed to kind of maximize the recall. I have personally never tried this one, but it says that you'll have the best recall when you're laying in the same position that you were in while you were dreaming. So if you wake up on your right side, don't move until you recall all that you can and then repeat on your left side and your back and then your front. And in apparently it can kind of jar loose some memories and will certainly speed up the recall. I've personally never tried this one, but obviously um, it could be helpful. So seven is just keep trying. You might have no morning recall at first, but flashes of dream memories will surface during your day. So be prepared to remember or write down any memories or dreams that come up. They might unlock access to more. So I always just use my notes on my phone if something comes up and be like, oh, yeah, I just had a dream about this. That's so weird. And just taking note of anything that you remember, any details. And also eight, this is the most important, is set the intention of remembering your dreams before you go to bed. And so, like, ask yourself to please remember your dreams. It might sound silly or just too simple to be effective, but it's very powerful. Um, Before going to bed, you can just, I usually will write on like a little note and stick it under my pillow, just like I will remember my dreams and even just asking yourself, or if some of you pray, you could pray to remember your dreams. And if it's new to you, know that foggy recall is going to be very, very common. So don't get frustrated. It's, um, you know, just the intention can be very, very powerful, powerful and produce really good results. So those are like the steps to dream recall. If you're still having trouble recalling your dreams, there are a couple other things that you can do. One is called the alarm clock method. Um, Using an alarm clock apparently is one of the easiest ways to start increasing your dream recall, especially if you rarely remember your dreams. The idea is to set your alarm for a time when you will be dreaming and awaken yourself directly from a dream while fresh memories are still there. And earlier morning hours are still the best because this is when REM is usually going on, which is when the most intense dreams happen. And so like two to four o'clock in the morning and just write down whatever you can remember and then obviously go back to sleep. The early morning technique is another one where you set your alarm for two hours before you would normally awake. And then when it goes off, reset it and, uh, to go off in in half an hour and do do this each time it goes off and you will have an instant and plentiful recall. So I know that when you wake yourself from a dream, it's a lot easier to go back into that dream state. So that um, is another tip. So it's like training your, your, your mind to remember things more. And depending on how poor your recall is, you might want to immediately write down dreams each time the alarm wakes you up. And if you don't, you may um, 
experience something called dream superimposition and your memories are so vivid that you're sure that you remember you'll remember them later and then when you go back to bed you kind of just like forget it all so those are a couple things that you can also try and so moving past that into the step three of the lucid dream steps now moving past the tips for dreamer call is to keep a dream journal and this is the single most important thing that you can do and if you seriously want to learn lucid dreaming you must keep a dream journal and that's not an option like you have to keep one and this is just to um, increase your recall and ingraining the idea that dreams are important and it helps you become familiar with your particular dreams which is the focus of the next step so that's very important and some tips for keeping your journal is to record all of your dreams with as much detail as you can even if it seems trivial or you don't really understand it or it just seems random and write down not only what happened but also what you were feeling and what you were thinking at the time these emotional and mental notes will help you later when you be, you're becoming familiar with your dreams and i kind of mentioned that in like my dream work episode that i did so um that's also a good episode to reference if you want to start working on lucid dreaming. And you want to write your entries in present tense instead of using past tense. And so you should also include a date and a time if you can and a title for each dream. And to find a suitable name for your dream, imagine if it was a movie and choose like the most appropriate title. So um, make it interesting. And Mixing separate dreams together may take the dream's message harder to find and make choosing a distinctive title harder, so leave each dream to their own. And let me think. I feel like I'm missing something. Okay, don't be that person that you think that you can do it without a dream journal because you can't. And... Obviously, anything is possible, but it'll definitely increase your odds and maximize your results if you kind of know what's going on in your head leading into the dream and being familiar with situations that you seem to fall into in dream states um, is going to be super helpful. And just make sure there's tons of different methods to actually dream journaling, so you could definitely do your own research there. But I personally just write it as if like it was happening to me in the present moment and date title next day (laughs) that's it and then step four obviously leads into this as well is becoming familiar with your dreams and so as your dream journal grows and your dream recall increases you'll become more familiar with your dreams so certain people places and activities that are more likely to appear in your dreams so if the majority of your dreams are like at your office or at the school or like maybe your parents old house so knowing what are common places and um, also themes. So if you're usually the hero or you're usually being chased, whatever, these reoccurring patterns in your dreams are your dream signs. And they're the stepping stones to your path into lucid dreaming. So being aware of what your dream signs are and developing an intimate relationship with your dreams, they'll become more accessible and easier to understand. And it's also helpful to ask yourself why you're dreaming what you dream. So dream analysis can play a huge part in understanding why these things are coming up as well. And um, 
this is obviously something that you're not going to continue to understand because dreams are going to continue to change as you get older. But just keeping in mind what is usually a recurring theme for you and um, that can be a crucial part in the lucid dreaming process. And these are like your signs that you're dreaming. So in step six, you can train yourself to notice your dream signs while you're dreaming. And this is like your springboard into lucid dreaming. But before we hop into that topic, we will discuss in step five, how to add awareness to your waking consciousness. So five, this could be its own subject, but the method in itself is to be used in conjunction with the other steps. It becomes um, an optimal way to learn lucid dreaming. And the whole process of lucid dreaming is achieved by training your awareness. So the idea is to increase our daily awareness in order to benefit from the carryover effects that will have into our dreaming awareness. So if you're more aware during the day, you will become more aware while dreaming. There are many ways to increase our mindfulness and awareness. And um, I won't cover all of them. Just kind of ask yourself questions like, how centered is your awareness And this means like your waking mental state, how truly aware of you, um, truly aware of you during your waking state, how conscious are you? And this is all about like self-observation, our um, observation of our surroundings and all of that stuff. Because obviously when you are trying to distinguish a dream from waking state, especially when it feels so real, you really have to be able to be mindful and pay attention and not have to question yourself. Like, is that there when I'm awake? Like you'll 100% know that this is kind of funky and it doesn't belong. And that's kind of what's going to lead you into being able to tell if something was Uh, dream or not. So increasing your awareness in your day-to-day life. So that might mean like walking meditations, um, active mindfulness, just mindfulness throughout your day, not being so distracted. And this means probably putting our phones down more than we do. Um, Just being able to take everything in and be very observant. And even that's like how people act. Um, Time is a big one because time doesn't really show up in dreams. And I know words are kind of funny too. So those kinds of things, knowing how things are spelled, how things interact with each other in our waking life can really help us to understand why um, or what is a dream and what isn't. So meditation is also a very good way to um, strengthen your awareness. So that's very, very important. The next step is linking your awareness to your dreams which just means being able to um, combine what you've learned about your dreams and what you've learned about your awareness and merging them with reality checks with your dream signs so that whenever you encounter one of your dream signs, you automatically start doing reality checks. If you dream of classrooms or driving in a car, whenever you see a classroom or or a car or whenever you're driving or whatever, you'll be programmed to do a reality check and the end result will be that you are inevitably going to dream about one of your dream signs and eventually you're going to remember to do a reality check and ultimately you're going to realize that you're dreaming. So that's why those two um, play hand in hand. And as you can see, these six steps are all interwoven into one basic process, leaving out just one step will diminish the effectiveness of all the other steps and decrease the actual results of the entire process. Almost all of the other techniques and methods for inducid lucid dreams will be mentioned um, 
that will be mentioned are based on this overall process to a certain extent. Often the methods and techniques are offshoots of this process and are limited versions of one or more of these six steps. So study them, internalize them, practice them, and train your subconscious and your conscious mind to be ingrained with them. And they will carry over to your dreams. And the final payoff will be that you will be in the middle of a dream and be able to say that you're dreaming. So definitely there's tons of other um, methods that you can use to induce lucid dreams. Some are more effective than others, depending on who you are and what you resonate with. And there's definitely other things that you can do research on, but this is the one that I have found to be like, again, like mentioned earlier, kind of all encompassing and everything is kind of like a shoot off of these six steps. And I feel like those are very approachable and um, easy for everyone to do. It's not like limited to anything except for maybe getting your hands on a journal is the only thing that would be limiting you. Um, But I think that it's pretty straightforward. So um, those six steps will definitely lead you to success in some sort of lucid dreaming and getting those dreams to be recalled and all that good stuff. So as I mentioned earlier, your recall of dreams and your ability to lucid dream and astral project depends on your uh, perception of reality. So as I mentioned before, the dream realm is really completely unlimited. It has unlimited potential. It conforms to your wishes. And once you become lucid in your dreams, you're better at kind of discerning what is reality at the time and what's not, what's waking reality versus sleep reality. So let's set the table first. When you're dreaming, you usually aren't aware that you're dreaming. So in effect, your dream is your reality at that time. You act and react in dreams as if they were real, but at the same time, they're often filled with illogical happenings. And we seem to accept these inconsistencies because our mental capacity of critical analysis and logical thinking don't carry over into the dream. Um, Probably because if it did, we would notice all the inconsistencies in our dreams and realize that we were dreaming every single night. And due to our diminished analytical ability, we don't question what is happening when we're experiencing it. And as far as we're concerned at that time, if we're experiencing it, then it's real. Along the same lines, we have never been taught to think and react in a questioning um, way to in manners in regards to our reality. We might react to other people's opinions and to certain ideas in a questioning manner, but when it comes to the nature of our, quote, reality, most people don't consider it something worth questioning. So reality is something that's taken for granted. It's the what we're supposed to perceive as reality is usually taught to us at such an early age that we eventually fail to explore our reality with the curiosity that we once had when we were kids. So the important thing is to not stop questioning. I think that Albert Einstein said, 
um, curiosity has its own reasoning for existing, existing, one cannot help to be in awe when he contemplates the mysteries of eternity, of life, of the marvelous structure of reality. It is enough if one merely tries to comprehend a little of this mystery every day, quote. So at an early age, we're taught what is make-believe and what's real. But in the grander scheme of things, this results in a process of being made to believe. So we're told and taught how to exist in a reality that everyone agrees is real. The fact is that reality, as it's commonly referred to, is a misnomer. The reality referred to most people is better expressed as consensual reality. I would side with Pablo Picasso when he stated that, quote, everything we can imagine is real, quote. So if we can conceptualize it, then it exists as a comprehensible thought. And thought is the master building block of each and every one of our versions of reality. So if your dreams, if in your dreams, a flying blue elephant is as real as the thought that created it, because you can see it, you can hear it, you can touch it. But as you've learned, flying blue elephants don't exist or do they? So it seems that our consensual reality comes in conflict with these thought induced elephants, so to speak. So the discrepancy is one pitfall of just our educational process. I could go on forever, (laughs) but the point is it means that our consciousness, our awareness has a direct influence and a proven interconnectedness with our reality. It means the reality we have been handed is not some end all set in tone actuality, but instead just one version that has been useful to this point. But now it it appears to be in some need of serious updating to better describe our current views on reality and the underlying cause of its thinking. Let's start by examining two different points of view. The thought that most people view reality is linear. So linear thinking is governed by the rules of cause and effect. I'll say that again. Linear thinking is governed by the rules of cause and effect. Okay, so we are addicted to an X causes Y and Y causes Z type mentality. This type of thinking helps us draw conclusions about our world and it helps us develop a highly functional approach to understanding our physical universe, but As you will see, it does have its drawbacks when it comes to accessing and expanding into new realms of thought. To clarify this, we must look for an entirely new approach since our linear thinking has failed. There are other ways to view reality which are not linearly based. A non-linear view is much harder to describe since we have been raised for so long with our linear thinking when it comes it's almost hardwired into the mental circuitry of our thought processes and has become embedded in our belief systems. But linear thinking like socialization has its advantages and its purpose, but also its drawbacks. For example, imagine a timeline, like the type of timeline that you would see in class where everything on the left of the dots on the line from the end of the line are the past and everything moving forward, progressing through time, moving to the right is, you know, progressing through time. 
So imagine right below this, a circle with a small dot in the middle. Now imagine that you are, that was my my dryer, sorry. And now imagine that you are the dot in the center of the circle. And the surrounding points on the circle represent all of your experiences. In this case, you are in the center and everything else is um, existing as surrounding equidistant points. So they're all equal distance from each other and from you. The distance between you and your birthday is the same exact distance between you and yesterday. So every experience, every thought, absolutely everything is equally far or equally near when observing from the center of the circle. All points on this non-linear model are equidistant in both space and time because you could access any experiences equally. It's also non-linear, so there's no apparent cause and effect. It just is. Imagine looking out from the inside of the circle. Even if you were to imagine all the points on the circle as being your experiences arranged sequentially, it would be impossible to view multiple points on the circle in terms of causation. No matter which direction you look, everything is equally accessible. There would be no X causes Y reasoning because there's no chronological timeline of events. You would have no linear frame of reference as a basis for making any actual ties to cause. So this mental like imagery is not intended to prove or disprove anything. It's just merely an example of how your perspective can change if you allow yourself to explore new modes of thought. Linear and nonlinear thought both play crucial roles in processing information in our waking and dream worlds. So keeping this idea of this circular nonlinear model of time can help you to understand more of like how many possibilities are out there when it comes to our reality or what we perceive as reality. And I'm a huge believer in the fact of like, if I can think it, it's real and it exists in my thoughts for a reason and it exists maybe in another dimension or another timeline. And always being open to the fact that what you experience is real and it does have meaning and it does have basis and being able to discern better for yourself what is a valid belief to hold on to and something that might need refreshing, especially when it comes to reality and lucid dreaming, you're going to experience things that may seem so far stretched that you might, like, I don't want to say this, but I don't want you guys to feel like you're going crazy. So just be open to the fact that those things can exist. You can exist with those things without it, like, crashing and burning your sense of reality, knowing that our sense of reality has been very skewed because, again, we've been taught to think in a certain way for educational purposes or, you know, keeping us structured in society, whatever the case may be. But know that there is definitely unlimited potential in reality. Science even talks about how there's um, multiple universes living on top of this one, how there's multiple dimensions that we can't see. And just being open to the idea that there's things that we don't quite understand or that we may not be correct on and being open to changing and being open to new experiences is 
going to help you to overall have a better experience with astral projection and lucid dreaming. Um, and that I think the perception of reality plays more into the next episode, which will be part two on astral astral travel, astral projection. Um, I feel like that's more of a, um, you know, we, so how I would explain it is we create our reality in a lucid dream. And if we haven't yet experienced astral projection before a lucid dream, our reality in that dream state is going to be very similar to what we experience in our waking life because we have never experienced something otherwise. But with astral projection, it shows you things that you have never even imagined up to yourself. And it can be very, um, you know, it can make you question a lot of things. So I just want you guys to start thinking about before you even get into astral projection, I want you guys to start thinking about the fabric of your reality and what you base as reality or something that's not reality. Because if you discount your experiences in the dream state or the astral state, you're going to be very lost and not be able to interpret things and um, apply things the way you want them to because you're going to be constantly dismissing it as like not real. And these are real experiences whether they're based on science or not, if you experience it, it is real. So keep that in mind moving through this episode and through the next episode. And with that being said, that's all I have for this episode. The next one is going to be a big one, probably, I would assume, an hour or more. There's a lot to cover and unpack with astral projection, and that's kind of why I wanted it to be an episode of its own. Um, but lucid dreaming can definitely help get you to a more comfortable grounds or just a better have a better understanding of where you are in the astral realm because I I know that they can be very similar in feeling of feeling very real and being a very real experience so if you get used to lucid dreaming first then astral projection will probably be a lot more comfortable for you and you won't feel like you're just thrusted into this new reality so the only thing I have for you at the end of this episode is to question what you define as reality and start start on that dream recall because your dreams are going to be the only thing that is going to thrust you forward into lucid dreaming if you know the difference between a dream and your waking state. So as always, thank you so, 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 so much for tuning in. I know sometimes I go off on tangents and get off in my little realm but thank you for tuning in um if you guys have any questions or topic suggestions please message me on instagram at modestly.metaphysical i um, check daily so please let me know and the next episode is probably going to be released next week just so i don't have to keep you guys waiting i have quite a bit of um research i still want to do and I just want to make sure that it's laid out in a very comprehensible way because it is a very um, complex topic. So if you guys have any questions about astral anything, let me know and I'll answer them next next episode. As well as if you have any questions about this episode, feel free to ask them and I'll answer them in the next episode at the end as well. But other than that, happy dreaming and stay safe. <laughs>